Back in here on a Friday, hour number three of Morning Drive, off and running ESPN 102.5 The Game. Nick Braden, D-Mace Marquise, good to have you in as we take you into the weekend. Willie Donick will join us coming up at 8.30 this morning. We'll get back into the game from last night. Predators defeat the Capitals 6-5. to Also, stick to sports coming up. We've got our picks. We've got the big finish. And we will touch base with our buddy Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com in just a moment. But we were just discussing during the break, uh, if you look at both Saturday and Sunday and you value your football weekend equally and you're mm-hmm. privileged enough to spend two days being a deadbeat on the couch, <laughs> this is the best football weekend of the year as far as both leagues, both college and pro. Yeah, I think there's mm-hmm. t- almost 20 legitimately interesting college football games. Certainly there's eight or nine or ten that are big time. How about this? Minnesota, Wake Forest, and Baylor. Do you guys want to live in a world where Minnesota, Wake Forest, and Baylor are all undefeated? Mm. All of them are undefeated and all of them at home this week against good quality teams. So, And those are games that aren't even like top-tier games. So it, it is a great week. It's the best weekend of college football so far to date. And if you look at the NFL slate, too, like look around the NFL. You've got Philadelphia, Minnesota, Seattle at Cleveland, Houston at Kansas City, by the way, if you had San Francisco 4-0 at the Rams 3-2, and put your hand up. Uh, Detroit-Green Bay is two winning records right now on Monday night. Uh, Pittsburgh and the, and the Chargers, who would have thunk both of them have losing records? Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's a great weekend of matchups for both Saturdays and Sundays this weekend. Uh, one of the things, speaking of you know, point spreads and gambling, I'm trying to figure out tonight, and you mentioned the college football board. Uh, we'll actually get back to that in a moment. Our buddy Lee Sterling is joining us now, ParamountSports.com. Coming I thought, off I of you are going to go Virginia-Miami. I, I was second. going yeah. to, yeah. Uh, coming off of a 3-2 and two weekend for morning, uh, morning Drive listeners last Friday here on the show. Lee, happy Friday. How you doing? Good, good. I'm, uh, you're the sixth show out of 27, and <laughs> do all my shows, finish at 7 o'clock uh, today, and I taped a couple that will play uh, tonight, and then I will uh, be at the Miami-Virginia game. So... Uh, Looking forward to it. I think I'm going to have to make a tape. And I'm 56. I'll be 57 in a couple months. I, I think I can kick better than Santos can. <laughs> Why you got to do that, man? Ouch. Ouch. Whoa. Why you got to say, all right, well, let's I actually go. had that game. I had Tennessee. That was, that was my, my, my lone loss uh, in the NFL last week, my big loss. And still hit our bigger play. But, um, I mean, I, I, so here, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the video. I'm going to put it up next week on Twitter and, and Instagram. So I was the kicker in high school. I kicked short extra points, short field goals, right-footed, and also kicked long field goals, left-footed, punted left-footed, punted in college. I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to kick 35 yards. I'm going to kick 10 times. I think I can still make 7 out of 10. So wow. All right. I'll take put the, it up there. I'll take the over. Um, <laughs> uh, let's start right there with the Titans then. Uh, Tennessee Titans at Denver, two-point dog. Um, this team has been very good as an underdog so far this year, not so much when they're favored. What do you think of Tennessee going out to Denver? Well, they, Denver still, even though they lost uh, you know, Chubb, a, a real uh, high-end young player, they still got some nice core players on defense with Von Miller, Derek Wolf at defensive end, and quarterback Chris Harris. Offense starting to come around, and when they can run a little bit, uh, they usually with a play action they're pretty tough. Uh, they got they use a lot of crossing routes, which give defenses problems. Just don't think Tennessee's getting it going. I, I think they might have to make the change uh, to Tannehill. They need some some big plays, and you know Tannehill's maybe a little bit more high risk, high reward. Uh, 
I like Denver here, guys. I think they win this game here 27-17. Now, Kansas City, um, these two teams coming off of um, basically Houston comes off a huge win where they put up 53 points, and then Kansas City comes off a – come off of a, a loss where they managed not even 13 points, I believe, in that game. Yep. Um, the line is, is is five. Do you think the line's five because of the way that Houston played and the points they put up last week? I do think, yeah, that's that's part of the reason here. This is a big game for Kansas City. They cannot, they've, they've got to start winning and get on a big-time roll here because if they have to go to New England for the playoffs, they're in big, big trouble. So, um just they they they're injured too. I mean, Mahomes once he got that had that injury to his ankle, he was not the same. I think though, I'm hearing reports he should be fined here. Uh, Texans um, are tempting play with Deshaun Watson here, but uh, Houston's not a power running team. You know, if they were a power running team and could do what Indianapolis or close to what Indianapolis could do, then. You know, I might might look to Houston, but I think Kansas City uh, getting Hill back looks like he's going to play probably the right side. Give me Kansas City. They win this game here, 38-28. to 28. Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com, joining us here on Morning Drive. Let's get to the Saturday slate in the SEC. Alabama, a three-score favorite, a 17-point road favorite in College Station against Texas A&M. What do you make of that matchup? I'm writing down notes when I'm watching games, and the thing that I, I keep writing down for Texas A&M is they're just average. I, I thought they were going to be much farther along this year. You know, they, they last year their their signature game was Clemson. They almost beat Clemson at home, and since that time, they just have just have not progressed. And I don't know what's going on. They did lose their their starting running back. But against two real good defenses, Clemson and Auburn, only 30 points combined. That's 15 points per game. Obviously, Alabama's not the same that they were, you know, a couple of years ago on defense. But, all right, let's give A&M 21 or 24 points. I think this Alabama offense is unstoppable right now. So, unless Texas A&M can get some more production out of the receivers. How about this? Their top four receivers, Osmond Davis, uh, Rogers, Smith, and 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 these guys are just averaging just 14 yards of reception or less, just not getting on the big plays. So, I think Alabama's the right side here. I think they win this game big, 48-21. Uh, t- Tennessee uh, Volunteers. We'll get to that one in a second. But LSU Florida is the second biggest game of the yeah. of the week. Obviously, Texas Oklahoma is a big one there. Always close both of those games. That being said, Vegas is, has laid a big number for LSU, 13, 13 and a half, depending on where you're looking, but. It, it, so take us through the psychology of this yep. of this line by LSU because they're they're begging you to take Florida, which means they probably like LSU. So what do you right. like? But tell t- kind of take everybody through the the psychology okay. of making that point spread if you're Vegas. Okay, so here's what I do every Sunday when I'm watching the late games. I I project the lines for college in the NFL, and I project the line what I think it's going to come out. And I'm usually in the NFL, I'm within a half a point a point college. Once you know some of these lines get to double digits, sometimes I'm off maybe a point or two. So I have my power ratings. I, I look over that. Uh, the only thing, if I'm off by more than three points, it's usually an injury that I didn't spot, hasn't shown up yet. So I thought the line was going to be seven and a half to nine and a half. So I'm off a little bit here. I think why they're doing this is, and I think they're probably right, is the Gators are really good at home. 
They rolled Tennessee, took care of Auburn at home. But on the road, I mean, they were one play twice away from losing to Miami. Kentucky is a field goal, made field goal away from upsetting them. I just think on the road they're a different team here. Kyle Trask also sprained knee. He will play, but he's not 100%. I'm watching Joe Burrow right now, and from early in the season last year, this is a completely different guy. You wouldn't even recognize the guy. Why? They bring in Brady, passing game coordinator from the Saints. I mean, it's like watching him play seven-on-seven with a loaded deck here. Things have slowed down for the guy. And I think this is the circle game for LSU. They lost last year in the Swamp, 27-19. The game's in Florida. I take Florida. But it's at LSU. It's a night game. It is going to be crazy. Give me LSU. They pull away late, 31-13. Lee Sterling, final one. Mississippi State, a six-point road favorite in Knoxville. What do we make of this one at Neyland Stadium? I think people are figuring out now what's going on with Mississippi State. They are playing two quarterbacks, and neither one, quite frankly, is just that good. So, uh, able to figure out some things to do that against them, and if Tennessee is smart and and they you know they don't rotate quarterbacks at all, Mauer will get the start. Just let him play. Uh, he gives the offense much more punch here. And the Mississippi State defense is not the same last year. They were incredible, allowing just 13 points per game this year, allowing 29 points per game here. Mississippi State, their receivers, they only have one receiver with more than nine. Receptions here. The receivers just don't make big plays here. I think Tennessee wins and uh, gives Jeremy Pruitt a reprieve for a week. And I don't know if you heard this. There's a host in Knoxville. He's up uh, on a roof. Oh, yeah. staying on the roof until Tennessee wins. They don't win this week. He's going to be up there for a long, long time. Tennessee pulls the upset, though, 27-26. All right, Lee. And how can people get in touch with you to get your game of the week? Yeah, um, so... Here's what's going on. Uh, it's not a high-profile game. Kentucky and Arkansas are, are going to, to do battle. I have some real strong uh, trends here, and probably one of the strongest games I have all weekend. I'm going to give this game away for free. If they want to get Kentucky and Arkansas on me, just be one of the first ten callers. Call 800-400-9741. Give you Kentucky, Arkansas on me. Uh, it's a game that's going to shock some people when they – I give them the information. Call 800-400-9741. They want to hop on board. A lot of people call this month October. We call it Locktober. Three weeks of games from now through the end of the month. Normally, 397 Use coupon code SAVE100. Just $297. So look to build on last week's winning week. You want to hop on board? It's all available. ParamountSports.com. Lee, always a pleasure. Good luck this weekend. We'll reconvene next Friday. Okay, thanks, guys. You got it. Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. Before we started our interview with Lee, I was saying, I can't figure out how Miami is a two-point favorite against Virginia this week. The Hurricanes are atrocious. I I mean, I don't know about you, but I think Virginia is a pretty solid football team. Yeah, I'm torn on this one because this is one of those where you go, oh, wait a second, what does Vegas know on this? And it's a really really important game for Virginia if they want to be taken seriously as the second-best team in the ACC to try to contend with Clemson, their offensive line has been a concern. Offensively, they have not been great. They've got a great quarterback. That's where Miami's defensive line may win the battle. So this is one of those where I saw the spread and I just went, what in the world do they know that we do not? I would have said Virginia minus four, you know, Virginia minus three, minus five, somewhere in there because they're the better team. Um, it, it, you know, I just it, it's one of those, Nick, where I go, 
this is where the gamblers know so much more than everybody else. And and what what is it that they know? Because there's no reason for Miami to be favored in this one from a casual observer standpoint. And yet, it, it's a really important football game. And Virginia's the underdog. It makes me want to go Virginia plus the two, which means that's what they want me to do, right? Mm-hmm. So that means Miami's the right play. I, I'm learning. I'm learning. All right. I'm learning. Coming up next, three teams in the NHL have scored 19 goals this season. The Maple Leafs, the Jets, and the Nashville Predators. We will talk about one of those teams coming up next. Stay there. All right, like, welcome back in. Morning Drive, ESPN 1025 The Game. Nick Braden, D-Mace Marquise, good to have you in here on a Friday. Stick to Sports is coming up at 845. Willie Donick will join us coming up in just about 15 minutes. Predators last night with a 6-5 victory over the Capitals, so they, they conclude the four-game homestand going 3-1. and one. They rally yesterday four goals in the final 20 minutes. They pick up six out of eight points. So now as we flip the page to a West Coast road trek, what do we make of this? They are at the Kings tomorrow, 5 o'clock local time, 3 o'clock L.A. time. The Kings stink. They're 1-2. and two. Tuesday's a big one. They go to Vegas to take on the Golden Knights, uh, who's currently 2-2. Two and two. And then next Thursday, they wrap up the three-game West Coast trip at Arizona. Yeah, at Arizona's always been really, it's sort of been one of these like weird places where the Preds just don't play well. Historically, it's very bizarre. Uh, Vegas is the odds-on favorite to, to basically be one of the best two or three or four teams in the Western Conference, so... Um, I sort of throw the start out. I don't really care about that. That's as fast and as dangerous a hockey team as there is in the Western Conference. So that's going to be an absolute awesome battle. Um, the Kings, uh, you know, that's an aging group. Not really sure what to expect of them. But, you know, it's it's hard to look at, you know, listen, th- there is, in talking to the guys um, this week, road trips are good early in the season for team building. I know that sounds cheesy, but you're sort of forced to spend time together on a three-game West Coast road trip like this. So, you know, probably in Vegas when they have a night off, they all go out and do something, right? Whether it's dinner or a show or whatever, you get a chance to, to build some camaraderie there. And these guys all know each other pretty well. So, But that, that is one of the benefits to having this road trip early in the season is that most players will tell you they like the early road trip because it allows – it forces you to sort of build cohesion where, where when you're at home, you're sleeping in your own bed. You, you go to the facility, you leave, you go home. You're not really with the guys, but when you're on the road, you're with them all the time, and that's – you know, both Kyle and Dan on Smashville Live said, hey, it's a chance for us to, to sort of, um, you know, t- team building and team bonding, as cheesy as it sounds, is, is a thing in professional sports. When you were in the NFL, now obviously road trips are different. You come back, unless you maybe you have a coach who knows you're going to be out on the West Coast back-to-back weeks and you don't want to disturb people's patterns, maybe you stay out there. But was, was that the same in the NFL with road trips early on? I mean, do, was there that cohesion or bonding, or is football just a different animal? Because of the schedule, um, I, I you're not spending it, like eight nights together yeah, in a I row. I think the like, bonding is pre the bonding is camp. Yeah, um, and and obviously I don't know how NHL camps work and and you know how much time they spend together, um, how many days they have, and all the other stuff well, based on their collective bargaining. Um, but the NFL, the bonding time because you only play 16 games, and you know. If you do have a West Coast swing where you're playing back-to-back games, you're still coming back home because you got a week to, to kind of get ready. Um, so, but the bonding time for NFL players are camp. It's the OTAs that you have, and then you might get a stretch where you know you're playing some West Coast Coast games and you leave a day, 
you know, instead of leaving Saturday, you leave Friday evening. Um, so you get Saturday to kind of, you know, be amongst the team and do some things and obviously play Sunday and come back, come back home. Or if you're playing in London, you leave, you know, like the Oakland Raiders did. They left the whole week and you were able to bond um, um, from that standpoint. But it's just a different animal uh, when you're talking playing 16 games as opposed to playing 82 games or 100 and some games yeah. when it comes to baseball. Seven three seven one zero two five. The number if you want to jump in. As the Predators got a win last night, six five over the Capitals, and obviously the power play is clicking right now. Three uh, through four games, they have had a power play goal in three of those four. Uh, I don't want to call Dan Lambert a miracle worker through four games. Yeah, settle down. Over but there. so far, I mean, that was. I mean, look, his number one job. That was what he was hired to do. And so far, they've figured it out. Yeah, and I don't know if Lambert's the, the, the end-all, be-all. We have no idea. We'll find out. Again, it's, you know, are they going to be the number two highest scoring team in the NHL? We have no idea. Um, it, it, there's, it's too early to sort of take too much from anything. But it's all positive trends right now on offense, the power play, uh, Matt Duchesne, the new pieces, everything looks like, like it's moving in the right direction. It doesn't mean you're not going to face adversity so it's just it's hard to overreact to any one particular game in the nhl we've talked about this a million times let's let's see what this team looks like after a three-game road trip and and then go from there again i need 12 to 15 games that's that's sort of where my my window is and derek you made a great point earlier you need almost more than that with injuries because Mm -hmm. you're going to deal with injuries but if let's say everybody's healthy you know 12 to 15 games of data is Mm -hmm. what is what i need to decide to sort of start to see if all right, the power play truly is fixed, or you know, the offense really is going to be one of the best in the Western Conference, or Matt Duchesne really is the real deal. Like, I mean, again, we think we know a lot of this stuff, but we still have yet to. It's not been confirmed with actual data, and we need more than four games to decide that. So, I know that's a cop out answer, but so far, so good is the best you can do right now, and, and see what it looks like in in about nine or ten games. Let's take a listen to Ryan Johansson asked about the power play clicking early so far in the season. Yeah, you know, you know, we feel like there's a lot of lot of improvement to to come, and, and uh, so it's good we're we're uh, we're still finding ways to score goals and and make some plays for our group. But uh, you know, we're, it's one of those things you got to uh, constantly work at, and and so we'll we'll be doing that. But it's definitely good to be finding ways to get some goals on the power play. 19 goals through four games. All of a sudden, you know, we talk about, you said, you know, some franchises in sports have it in their DNA to be set up a certain way. The Titans for 20 years run the ball, play defense. But you know what the greats do? The greats evolve. The greats adapt. Bill Belichick, New England, always adapting. Nick Saban, seven years ago after Johnny Manziel and certain quarterbacks went nuts on him, Adapted, changed, changed his offense, changed his defense, styles of guys he recruits. Even Coach O has figured out a way to adapt it. LSU's LSU. throwing the football. They're throwing the football all over no, the place. No, but it's, 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 if you look at each one of those coaches that you figured, that you talked about, uh, and maybe with the exception of Coach O, um, yes, they have adapted, but the core of who they are is still the same. They just go about it different now. Alabama still want to play good defense, and they still want to be the best defense in the country. Um, and he still recruits those type of players offensively. They still want to run the football. They just—they're not too far removed from having a Heisman Trophy winner um, on the on their roster. So they still want to run the football, but they go about it a different way now. Yeah, they're not it running looks, it this year. Yeah, it looks a little bit different now. I guarantee you, Coach Saban would love to be able to run the football because he knows when he's. When he plays these teams LSU, that are able to, Auburn, to 
to score with them, he's going to have to slow it down just a little bit and be able to run the football. So, yes, you're right. The great ones do adapt. But Bill Belichick, he still wants to run the football. Come November, December, they run the football. And in the playoffs, they want to run the football. So, yes, you're right, Nick with adapting, but the core of who they are still remains the same. They just go about it a different way. It reminded me last night, so it's a good juxtaposition of like evolution plus tradition, right? That's what we're talking about, right? There's Mm -hmm. evolution and evolving and and massaging your offense with the times, but also sticking with what traditionally works and what is very difficult. I'm watching Tom Brady run back-to-back quarterback sneaks last Mm -hmm. night. Like back-to-back quarterback sneaks last night to kind of put the game away. And 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 it's like they, they ran a quarterback sneak from like the four, and then they ran another quarterback sneak from like the one and a half, and it worked. It got in. Mm-hmm. So two, and we know that Tom Brady's one of the best quarterbacks. But it's the oldest, simplest play in the in the book. And how many college coaches and pro coaches are now in the shotgun on fourth and one? It, it, Bill Belichick, for all of his evolution, for all the modernization, for all the tricks and all the tactics and all the unique schemes that he comes up with, you know what he still does on fourth and one? He puts his stinking quarterback under center and he runs a quarterback sneak. Yeah, and 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 he'll do it two plays in a row. Just because you don't, he doesn't think you can stop him. And so even for all of the evolution and, and trickeration and all that stuff, there still is this element of tradition with even the greats where they go, well, I'm not going to overthink this. I'm going to put my quarterback under center and run a quarterback sneak. And so I, I think there's some of that gets lost when you're trying to be so newfangled and so evolved and so modernized that you can miss some of the basic stuff like, I don't know, kicking a field goal when you're up 14 to go up three scores. Like There's just certain basic stuff you still have to execute but the you know the look the the predators are still founded on two really good goaltenders a lot of investments in the in their top three guys on the blue line dante fabro young guy now on the cheap but they said this past offseason you know okay we're, we're gonna trade pk suban we're gonna bring in matt duchene we're not gonna deviate from what has made us successful the last four or five years but if it means maybe you know falling off a little bit defensively at the expense of improving drastically offensively both on full strength even strength as well as power plays you know we're going to do that because we need to get better at the forward position and, and I, I asked Kyle Turris about that specifically on Wednesday night and he said and, and my I took the I'll, what he said was that coach Lavi and the Preds are still extraordinarily focused on defense so what's interesting about this is that your personnel decision making can skew offensive but your coaching philosophy is still focused on being great defensively and so they still are a very defensive-minded team. Everything in, in the Preds team f- comes out of the defense. It, it comes off of the defense. It doesn't mean that they haven't made personnel moves to improve the talent on offense. That's clearly direction David Poyle wanted to go this offseason. But it, 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 it doesn't change the coaching focus. And the coaching focus is still going to be, listen, we want you guys to activate into the zone and carry the puck into the zone and be offensive defensemen, but you better have your assignments down in your own zone first. You better play good defense first. That's still the way they're going to be. Now, they have not played elite-level defense lately. Last night, I think the numbers are inflated a little bit because you just – Alexander Ovechkin did Alexander Ovechkin things last night. You know, he just – that's what happens mm-hmm. when the greatest player on the planet sort of just does some of those things to you. Um, you know, don't leave him open in the in the face-off circle. How about <laughs> – you know, like he's going to score a lot of times in that situation. So I still think this team is focused heavily on defense. Stick to sports coming up in just about 20 minutes. Up next, we will touch base with one of our very own colleagues, Willie Donick. Te- uh, Preds television voice, of course, co-host of Darren Donick and Chase. He's coming up next. A little Willie D action here on a Friday on Morning Drive. 8.32, Morning Drive, live here on a Friday. Good to have you in. 
Nick Braden, D-Mace Marquise. Stick to sports coming your way in just about 15 minutes. But right now, we welcome in Willie Donick, Preds TV play-by-play voice, and of course, co-host of Darren Donick and Chase. Willie D, happy Friday. How are you this morning? Fellas, good to talk to you. I'm good. good. Good to have you in. So I know last night, and we'll get to the game in a second, one of the funniest moments was one of your partners in crime, Chris Mason, yesterday reading the promo and pronouncing the city of Louisville, Louisville. And you were excellently on point last night, putting him in check right away. <laughs> well, it's funny. You know, the, shoes, the shoe can be on the other foot, right? I've been in Canada and, and pronouncing some of the Canadian towns on the prairie and, and butchering those. So you, you kind of have to learn the hard way. So. Mace got exposed, you know, the Red Deer Alberta native. He's learning these towns one, one at a time here, but uh, you can get off, uh, get off guard every now and then. He, he's been in the South long enough. He, he needs to know that anything with V-I-L-L-E on it, you just got to pretend like you got a bag of marbles in your mouth and just say Louisville, Nashville, Cookville, Crossville. You just, you just got to just tell him, put a bag of marbles in your mouth, see Mace, and, and practice. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we're down to one a year now. Uh, last year he got caught uh, – and, and maybe he's, you know, being next to a Mets fan, he got uh, influenced by me, but he called it Seaverville and not uh, Severeville. <laughs> so that was his last year. Seaverville. Oh, that's so good. All right, let me ask you about your heart. Uh, how's the heart doing, UNC Mace, uh, after all these lead changes and you're trailing by this and comebacks in the third period? Like, how's the heart medication these days, Willie? Man, I'll tell you, uh, I, I'm, I'm up and, and rolling this morning. The adrenaline's pumping, but you're right. Last night... It was a, it was an uphill climb uh, chasing the game, but you never really felt like uh, the Predators were out of it. Uh, they kept uh, maybe making a few mistakes that Washington was able to pounce on and cash in. But uh, man, what a great game! Just from a, a pure entertainment standpoint, that was fantastic. Willie, we were just having a conversation about how certain franchises are always stuck in their ways. You know, the Tennessee Titans for 20 years, they want to run the ball, they want to play defense, they want to play an uglier brand of football, but yet we were discussing how the greats always evolve, they always adapt, whether that's Belichick and the Patriots, Saban in Alabama, and we were discussing the start to the season for the Preds, and it's not that they don't want to be good defensively or they don't want to be great between the pipes, but in the offseason they said, you know what, we'll, we'll trade a guy like P.K. Subban, maybe Maybe that we take a little bit of a hit and a blow defensively, but we're going to bring in a guy like Matt Duchesne, and he's been otherworldly so far through four games. The team is scoring on the power play. They've got 19 goals in four games. It seems like now the blueprint through four games is, okay, we might you know drop off a little bit defensively, but we're going to be so dynamic offensively, it's not going to matter. Do you, do you see an evolution with this team and maybe a shift? I think that was the idea going in, what was, that they wanted to become a team that was more potent offensively. They feel like that's the way the game is going. And I think they, the, the, the gamble was that they feel like they don't have to drop off defensively. And, uh, you know, obviously so far they have given up a few more goals. But, but I think if you talk to Peter Laviolette, he feels like these are correctable things. Uh, it's just sometimes unforced errors that, that are costing them right now. But you're seeing all of the fruits uh, of – the push and the and the uh, you know the attack mentality offensively. They, they've got four lines that always are a threat, and they've still got the great mobile defenseman on the backside. It's just a matter of tying up some of the loose ends, doing some of the little things to get that game uh, fully complete. But now let's see how it plays on the road. It's, it's a little bit harder to outgun teams on the road, and so that'll be the next test. Um, what has has it? Let me. 
I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this question. Let me just say, what has been through five games? What has been a surprise to you, or is there any? Is this what you expected um, with this team? Um, how they're equipped now? Has there been any surprises to you, or is this pretty much okay? This is how I kind of envisioned th- this thing to um, to start off the season. I think uh, I'm pleasantly surprised that so far Kyle Turris has found a good role because I think that was what everybody was wondering. Where were they going to fit the pieces? And I still think they're, they're looking at it. Last night, for example, they moved Callie Yarncroke up on the first line with Ryan Johansson and Victor Arvidsson. And so all, all throughout camp, I think I was a little concerned. How are they going to work Turris in there? But what's, what's happened so far is they've created – uh, a third scoring line with Turris and whoever he's played with. Last night it was Daniel Carr and Craig Smith. And although they didn't score, they hurt, They certainly had a lot of offensive push. They had some really good chances towards the net. And that's been the case in all of the games. So I think I'm pleasantly surprised, Derek, that the plan has fallen into place where they have a good four-line attack where all four lines are a good threat. That's going to be hard to stop night after night. Willie, you talk about the chemistry with certain pairings on certain lines, and obviously Johansson Arvinson have chemistry on the first line. You mentioned with Kyle Turris and Craig Smith together the way they play, but are you surprised that the chemistry is so smooth so quickly between Duchesne and Forsberg? I, I, am, uh, I am really pleasantly surprised on that. It's, it's amazing how quick that has happened, and to have the guts to break up such a successful line of Forsberg, Johansson, and Arvinson, that took a lot of uh, guts, I think, on the part of the coaching staff. But they saw the chemistry, I think, in the training camp between Forsberg and Duchesne. I go back to that preseason game against Tampa Bay where every time they were on the ice, it seemed like they were making something happen. And so it has really translated. And what it's done, is, as we've been saying, is it's opening up things for other lines as well because the other team has to select that line as the toughest line to stop. And that means that Turris is getting great matchups when he's out there with his group. And Johansson's getting better matchups than he's used to, you know, with, with his group. So now, uh, really, all of the Pistons are firing offensively. Willie Donick, you'll hear him coming up today at 10 o'clock on Darren, Donick, and Chase. Good stuff as always, Willie. We'll uh, see you soon. Have fun in Vegas. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. You got it. Willie Donick joining us here on Morning Drive. And can I just say how, how great it is last night? You had the three TV setup going. Mm. Uh, went Preds on the 65. Actually, at 6 o'clock, it started with baseball on the Garrett, 65. Garrett Cole was stud. sick last night. Started then I had, uh, so once the Preds started at 7, baseball went to the 32. The NFL was on the 42 because that started at 720. Preds were on at 6 uh, on the 65, the former D-Mace TV. I, I, I moved the NFL game off quickly for the Syracuse-NC State game. You're a sick man. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I love college. It was a close game. I couldn't do it. Devito scored late, you know. Fantasy fantasy implications. No, they made it. It made it a close game. But mildly interesting in the fourth quarter. (laughs) It it is so comforting to watch a hockey telecast and see shots on goal. It's comforting. (laughs) You know what it is? It's like that. It's like that little blanket you had as a kid. Like no matter how rough the day was, you'd Uh lay in your bed and you'd rub the little silk part on the blanket on your face, (laughs) and you say, "Oh, he's not wrong about that." It's like a warm cup of milk. Nick, see, that's the way I feel about shots on goal thing see, is just getting out of hand. Buddy. See, that's the way I feel though about NC State Syracuse. Like I, I, I walk into my office and I'm feeling a little blue, feeling a little down. Had a tough day at the office. 
I put on a little ACC football and my spirits pick up immediately. It, the, it, college football is my blankie. That's what it is. You know, Preds, for, for you, it's shots on Fox Sports Tennessee, they keep it mm-hmm. simple. It's a regional <laughs> broadcast. They say, you know what, we're not going to deviate from what people have done for 50 years. But yet those national bozos on NBC Sports, they want to get cute. And they want to take it away. They produce a nice product, though. Mm-hmm. They know what they're doing. Um, apparently not with shots on goal. Your, your obsession with shots on goal is one of the more interesting things about you, and you are a fascinating individual. I in, will in continue general. to fight the good fight, people. Okay. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, listen, there are people that depend on you. Okay. Yeah. So don't let them down. Mm-hmm. Um, want to remind everybody, ESPN 94.9 Game 2 is the official English radio home of the Nashville Soccer Club. Just an unbelievable match on Tuesday night against uh, Lou City. Uh, ended in a dramatic victory, of course, in second place in the table. Two games left to go. Saturday night, Nashville SC takes on North Carolina FC at, at uh, I believe, Nissan Stadium. It says First Tennessee Park here. Uh, I believe it's Nissan Stadium. Pre-game begins at 6.30 p.m. with kickoff at 7 p.m. Only on ESPN 94.9 Game 2, powered by your Middle Tennessee Toyota dealer. Soccer, man, only two games to go. It's getting intense. Great it's getting, time getting, of the year. It's getting real. So we got what Yankees and Astros. We've got Ghost, Nationals Ghost and Cards. Ghostros. Is it weird to not be interested in the National? I'm a National League guy. I've always been a Senior Circuit guy. I've always liked the National League. I think playing with the DH is like cheating, and they play a different sport in the American League. I think it's bush league nonsense. But I am far more interested in the Strohs Astros series, the Strohs uh, Yankee series, than I am. There's something about Cardinals Nationals that is just not appealing to me. I know there's big-time players. I would have preferred Braves-Dodgers, for sure. Like, it just is not appealing to me at all. I'd never yeah, would me pre- too. I would never prefer Braves, uh, ever. But but Dodgers-Cardinals Dodgers just feels important, more important than Nationals. And even though you got Strasburg and Scherzer and you got a lot of big-time— I mean, well, Anthony, I mean, how about Anthony the fact, Rendon might be the MVP of the National League. How about like, the fact that the Nationals said, Bryce Harper, you can go to Philadelphia for $330 million over 13 years, and we'll go to the NLCS without you? Uh, it's— I mean, Bryce has always been a little uh, quirky. Let's just say, you yeah. know. I mean, the Cardinals—they lost pool holes. They won. They they went to NLCSs without him. It's amazing in baseball how you can let these big marquee guys go. Now, Pujols won them championships. Oh, I know. Bryce Harper was viewed more as a problem, and not necessarily a problem in the locker room, but a, a me guy that causes distractions. Whereas Pujols was the reason they were winning World Series. So, very, I would say those are very different. I, I think it is addition by subtraction. For, for the Nationals. They, they got rid of uh, a personality that maybe was too big for the team. And 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 now they're, they upset the Dodgers. They probably shouldn't have won Game 5. Stroh's Yankees is the World Series. Let's just call it what it is. I mean, whoever wins that one's going to win the World Series. I don't think the Yankees can keep up with the Astros pitching. I, don't, I mean, that's my biggest concern, I would say. I mean, you, yeah. you can't win a Stanley Cup without defense and goaltending. You can't win the NFL without defense. And you can't win in baseball without a good rotation. Yankees are going to try to do it with the bullpen, so we'll see. Are we done? You done with baseball? Yeah. You, you like that baseball, baseball talk, huh? Talk to me when yeah? you win a World Series. I'm done with Seventh game in a World Series. Well, talk to me seventh game in a World Series. Yeah, a little buster only Timmy Kirchner over here. Makes Why it you got to be so negative? Game. Why you got to be so negative? No, I'm just, I'm not being negative. I'm just saying talk to me when the seventh game in a World Series. Why are you? S- if it gets to a seventh game. You're, 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 you're poo-pooing baseball. Uh-huh. You're just, you're negative Nancy. I've always done that. And you're sucking the fun out of everything. Why are you such a fun sucker? Don't you ever, be a fun sucker. Do you ever hear yeah. me do my uh, Timmy Kirchner impersonation? Go ahead. I don't know if I want to hear this. I was at Blue Jays camp this past <laughs> week, and J.P. Aaron Sebia really changed the way he calls a game behind home plate. Fascinating to see what the Blue Jays will do this upcoming spring. Until we get a baseball, you, until we get a baseball team here in Nashville, if that indeed ever happens, then baseball will be on the peripheral. I, I'm sorry if you me. didn't. If you did not. If you watched. 
a couple of innings of Garrett Cole pitch last night. He was a monster. And watched the way the fans were handling that and didn't at all find any joy no. in that at all. I was waiting on a prayer game. But you didn't watch it, so you, I was waiting on a prayer you don't know game. what I'm talking about. I was here. all about prayer last night. But if you had watched just a minute of that, I was you, all would, about you would see how fun it was. I was all about prayers last you, night. You know what I was all about? I had the Astros minus run, a run and a half, <laughs> minus yeah, 125. Pay, yeah. And the two home runs in the eighth, you're like, yes. Yes, sir. Victory. Now, now what's funny, Jose Altuve, I think, set a record for home runs in the postseason by a second baseman in Major League history. I don't know. He's like one of the most fun players of my entire lifetime to watch. I love watching Jose Altuve play. 5'7", right. love it. Jose Altuve is 5 feet 6 inches tall, and he just mashes the baseball. Stop you know, it, you know there's a, yeah, it's not, it's Man, Preds won 6'5". You, you know okay. there's a website called How Many Altuves, and it measures everything in life in Altuves? Guys. Am I the only one that finds that funny? Guys, Preds won 6'5", okay? Good for you. Stop sucking all the fun out of it. I'm guys, done. Right? I'm guys, done with baseball, too. Guys, such a fun guys all right, Preds won 6'5". I'm completely done. Yeah, you should be done. Yeah. I'm done yeah. with baseball. Because, because your, promo, your, big, your big investment's nothing more than a regular season star. <laughs> yeah, and whoever did that promo that got the Grand Slam in the Dodgers game, shame on you. Yeah. Shame. Let me know when Kershaw does something in October. Stick to sports. Coming up next. Somebody who loves me. Morning Drive rolling on live. ESPN 102.5 The Game. You go across the country, you listen to all sorts of sports talk radio stations. Very few will come out of a break with Whitney Houston. But then again, very few are Morning Drive. What can I say? You got a point here. Yeah, very, that is facts. Very eclectic program. Let's stick to sports. The world is a crazy place. Crazy sounding pretty good right now. Let's lighten the mood. After all that seriousness, <laughs> you're just going to crumple it up and throw in the trash. Basically. And stick to sports. Now, on Morning Drive. I actually committed in, by the way, Stick to Sports is brought to you by the good folks at Decorated Den Interior. Stick with the pros at Decorated Den. When you're ready to decorate your home, office, or outdoor spaces, request a complimentary appointment, which is free, at DecoratedDen.com. I committed one, of, committed one of my broadcasting faux pas. I called the show a program. Mm. I hate when I hear sports radio hosts say that. Why? Coming up later on the program... Why it's it, just like 1994 sports radio. It mm. just sounds so. Show, sh- like on the show sounds better. Yeah. Welcome to the show instead of welcome to the program. Like, like back in the day, my grandmother would say the television program. Yeah, I'm going to watch my programs tonight. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> got Jeopardy. I got Wheel of Fortune. I got Matlock. I'm going to watch my programs. What do they call the? Uh, what are the, the old ladies called the soaps? Like I'm going to watch my soaps. My or soaps. My shows. Yeah, soaps. My, soaps. My no stories. Stories. Yeah, I'm going to watch. I got to watch my stories. <laughs> there you go. Number one. Speaking of shows and speaking of, of good shows, now there's another spinoff that's probably going to be in the works, and it is The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Mm-hmm. While, while Will Smith is promoting this movie called Gemini Man, which I'm not too sold on. This looks like a very terrible Will Smith movie, but he's talking about making a reboot, a spinoff mm. of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. What are your thoughts on that? Man, what... So who would it? Is there any original it cast? Be it would appeal like, to us. Would it be like Will got married and had kids? Will and, got married to Neil Long's character. Yeah, and then this maybe is, they have a actual, kid. Like, yeah. So I would say if if they were to actually do like a fifteen year later storyline wrap up of all the characters, then I would be interested yeah. in that. Do if they they're have gonna do the like, funeral fulfill? Yeah. If like. If, if they're you doing know. like a f- like full Fuller House, right, where it's just sort of like the same show repeated again, mm. where they're doing the same jokes and the same things for the same laugh lines, like Mm-mm. it didn't appeal to me at all. My wife watched it. Even she said it was kind of eh. If they're actually going to do a different 
You know what I mean? Like if they're taking all the yeah. same characters, but then doing a, a wrap Does up Will like where actually they are. That's what I, now that would be good. Here's a good. Okay, so I'd let's like say the, I'd like to see what the playground where he's born and raised look like. Let's yeah. say let's set up the story like this: Will Smith marries Neil Long's character. They have mm-hmm. a kid, and it's kind of role reverse where they're rich, but Will Smith wants to humble his kid a little bit by sending him to Philly to go live ah. in Philly so he can like not be like Carlton when he grows up. Yeah. <laughs> that would be cool. Not but be would like it Carlton. be what would it be called then cuz it wouldn't be called the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. It would the Fresh be Prince called... of Philly. It's the No. The, the, I don't the, the say smelly right king of Philly. <laughs> Man, what would it be called? It, What's something in Philly? Uh, <sighs> I don't know. I, I think it's. I think it's Fresh Prince of the Two One Five. It would be his, cheesecake heaven. It would be hysterical. Steak. We don't have cheesecake. Cheesecake. Cheese I'm I would love if an entire storyline is just Will Smith talking to his kid about how he shouldn't grow up to be like Carlton. <laughs> that is. Yeah. That is what I. See, Will, I can see Will talking to his son like, "Listen, don't do what this guy's doing right here. See those. See that bow tie. Don't ever put one of those on." So is uh, in Fuller House. Is Lori Lachlan in that show, or is she in the put in the can? Dude, I don't remember. I saw like a half an episode. I don't. All I know is my wife watched it and said it didn't live up to what she expected it to yeah. be because again if you just repeat what you used to do that's one strategy if you actually take all the old characters and sort of do a new story with it then it's more I, like i find that to be more interesting she seemed to think that it was just sort of like a repeat of all the same crap they did in full house and otherwise what's, cool. what's the point of that yeah. like, maybe maybe, maybe Lori lachlan's daughters didn't live up to what they thought they would be which is why they committed those um sat scams they didn't know they didn't even want the kids didn't even want to go yeah, they didn't want to go to school the girl's like i just want to be a social media influencer Mom did. i just want to be on the gram all day so speaking of fresh prince and, and full house <laughs> is fresh prince of bel-air do it has the best tv theme of all time it's pretty easily cl- it's pretty close yeah easily now, the now best the, theme. no it's not easy because there's so many great songs like dude i would put family matters ahead of fresh prince I would, I would not. For TV theme? Sanford, Sanford and Sons is pretty good. Sanford uh, and Sons. Laverne and Shirley is, is pretty good. There's Three's so company. Many. How about Knight, yeah. Knight Rider? Come on, Knight Rider. Come and knock on our door. Come That's and a good knock one. on our door. We be waiting for you. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers is a yeah. good one. I don't know because Fresh Prince, it's it's timeless. Like everybody, if I go to a person and say, now this is a story all about how, and I can just right. like everybody's let everybody else finish it. I think other themes are just kind of. Saved by the Bell will be in that same category. When I wake up in the morning, I bet you everybody knows. Everybody knows that. I'm just glad you guys didn't throw in Friends because that the theme's awful. That show's awful. Well, you know my thoughts. You know my thoughts. On friends, as Al Bundy once said, friends oh God, for the forty hundredth. Don't need them, don't want them. Sure as hell don't want to watch them. <laughs> was that Number actually two. in response to Friends? That was him on t- on on the couch looking at the TV when there was nothing on, and Friends was on again for the twelve thousandth time. So that's what so, he said. So, so that's what made Married Children great. They so took Mary, shots at other shows. So Married with Children was on the air n- with new episodes while Friends was on. Still, yes. I guess. I guess that's true. That's yep. Mid nineties. Well, Family Guy does what it too all the time. They just yep. take shots in South oh, Park. Yeah, you know, South, South Park, Park does it. South Park's my jam. But speak, so if there wasn't a Fresh Prince TV show, there could be a movie in the works because. I know there's a lot of college football going on, a lot of football, but El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie, is out today. Ooh. So does it, it actually have... Uh... It has Jesse, Jesse Pinkman. It follows his story after the finale. Who's Walter White's character? Why am I drawing a total blank on the The actor? guy from... Um, um, Why am I drawing? He's such, a great in the middle. He's such a great actor. Is it... I forgot. Oh my god, we're a, we're a bunch of jerks yeah. for not remembering this. Yeah, we're not. We you are. guys, the two I, of you I, just, can't... I remember as Walter White. No, I didn't watch Breaking Bad, but he was also in Malcolm in the Middle. He's also uh, 
Oh, my God. You want to know what his real name is? Yes. What is that? This is stupid. Like, we should know the actor's name. He's phenomenal. Um, phenomenal. Like, to, to have a role, though, of Malcolm in the Middle, uh-huh. th- that character, that goofy dad sort of weird guy. Brian Cranston. Brian, Brian Cranston. God, Cranston. that's ridiculous to, not, to have not known that. And then to do the Walter White character, he's had some of the most, prim- like, ridiculously important TV roles ever. He's Brian Cranston is awesome. He's so also, does, I think he was LBJ on HBO's yeah. movie. He was really good in that. So does that intrigue you at all? El Camino, it follows the season finale yes. of Breaking Bad. Yes. I love Breaking Bad. So yes. if you guys Breaking never watched Bad. Breaking Dude, you Bad. Got, no. You would like Breaking Bad. You would. It. It's a slow build, You would like though. it. Oh. I will say that. It's a slow build, it, first season. It, well, but it, imagine it, it's a teacher who's got a teacher's salary who's fighting cancer, is dying of cancer, and mm-hmm. has to figure out a way to leave his family some money because he hasn't made any money. Oh wow! And so it, it's it, there's real life stuff there, right? And then it and then it evolves over six or seven seasons. But like it's a really awesome plot and storyline, and and one of the greatest season finales in, oh, in yeah, TV yeah. history. Yeah, no question. So I'm definitely. Did you be watch, did you watch Better Call Saul? I, I never, did. I did, but I just never got into it as much as I did. And I that's what it. that's what gets me nervous about spinoffs is because that was kind of a yeah. spinoff, of, and it, it kind of just didn't do it's anything. It's one of the me. more successful spinoffs, though. It is, but and it's I just, didn't like it either. So. I, I'm just, I'm yeah, not a big fan of that one. You got to watch Breaking Bad. No you question. do, both of you guys, man. Oh, shame both on both of you. It's a bad job Come on me. Now. All yeah. right, that's it. Stick to sports. We are done. Final hour coming up. We've got the big finish. We've got our picks against the spread. Uh, we've got some college football rivalry talk, but also we've got to get back to the Tennessee Titans and the Denver Broncos on Sunday. If a certain thing plays out like I think it could, I think it's a bad sign moving forward. Back after this on Morning Drive.